You're listening to episode 24 of the Film Festival Secrets podcast. My name is Chris Holland. I'd like to remind you that uh, there is a crowdfunding campaign still going on to fund the rest of this season of the show at getmoresecrets.com. If you like what you hear today, uh, please drop by there and support the campaign so that I can keep doing the show. Getmoresecrets.com. Today, I'm talking with Kenny Blank and Shelley Schmals. They're both from the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival. Kenny's the executive director, and Shelley is the program manager for the festival. Uh, when I talked to them a few weeks ago, I visited them at their brand new offices. They hadn't even unpacked any boxes yet. Uh, there was only a little bit of furniture. Uh, so you're going to hear that sort of hollow, empty office ring of our voices off the walls. Uh, but I started off by asking Kenny how he got involved with the festival for the first time. I got involved with the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival first as a volunteer. Nice. As so many people come to this organization, it's a very volunteer-intensive uh, uh, project. And we, we pull people in, experts from the whole cross-section of the community to help inform how we select the films, how we market the festival, how we fundraise. Uh, but I got involved through the film selection process. I was working in television news at the time uh, as a producer and had been working overnights in TV news for many, many years and got involved uh, volunteering pre-screening film entries. And after doing that as a volunteer for a couple of years, and as the festival was starting to grow, uh, the organization that was uh, producing the festival said, you know, we really need a full-time director to run this thing. It's getting big enough where we can't run it as a project on the side, along with our other uh, advocacy work that we're doing. Um, and around that time, I was getting burned out doing television <laughs> news. And this was after 9-11, after the 2000 presidential election. So a lot of big stories that were sort of emotionally and physically exhausting. And so I was ready for a change and wanted to get back to my original passion, which was in film. I'm a NYU film Tisch school grad and always wanted to do something in film, but couldn't find a way to translate it into something professionally. So I jumped at the opportunity and that's how I got started. Cool. We're going to come back to film school in a little bit. Sure. Tell me about your um, I also came through as a volunteer first through the um, a Young Professional Committee and getting involved, helping program the Young Professional Evenings of the festival. From there, my um, involvement has grown from the, I guess, pre-production side to being contract and seasonal and now full-time as program manager. And tell me about what you do day-to-day -day as program manager. I work a lot with our volunteers for about six months out of the year with our film evaluation committee, um, helping set up our screenings and getting them ready for meetings, as well as doing a lot of film research as well, um, working with the filmmakers, making sure that we have all the information to be able to present to our volunteers. And then from there, once we get into festival season, I'm actually working directly with the filmmakers and distributors who are selected for the festival. And I kind of get the feeling that your film selection process is different from what other film festivals do, which is very sort of pre-screener intensive, and you mentioned screenings. Tell me a little bit about the screenings and meetings process that you guys have. Uh, well, with us, uh, we're very we're very much considered a, a community organization where we, uh, we, even though we're a Jewish festival, we like to um, 
reach out to the community to, to make it, um, I guess, more of a um, community process. So we have a group of individuals who come together to watch the films and then talk about it afterwards. Yeah, I'd say we do what probably... A lot of other festivals do is we have a screening committee, but it's on steroids. So instead of having a small panel of judges or even a, uh, a dozen or so uh, evaluators, we have a committee that is about 150 people strong. It's a real cross-section of the community. So it's, it's really a cross-section of our audience. These are people who are just film enthusiasts. They don't necessarily have any professional background in the arts or film. Um, but they know what they like. Um, they're sophisticated moviegoers. And then sprinkle within that group, we do have people who are uh, film professionals or people f- with a arts uh, background. So we have, for example, Matthew Bernstein, the chair of the film studies program at Emory University, or someone like uh, Tom Karsh, who used to be head of Turner Classic Movies, um, or people also... Um, who have expertise in the subject matter being presented on screen because our film festival is um, very topic driven uh, as a niche festival. Um, we do want to make sure that the films, the veracity of the information pre- being presented in the films is uh, accurate and fair and balanced. And so we have people who are film, uh, who are rather uh, Jewish scholars um, or rabbis um, or historians, people who have bring that expertise as well. So it's a mix of, uh, what I would say, uh, academics and professionals and, and people with film backgrounds, but overwhelmingly a real, a mix of, of audience members who have lots of tastes in movies, uh, genres and subject matter. So given that you're dealing with people who are from all walks of life and, uh, you know, might not have the quote-unquote Jewish perspective, and I have a feeling we're going to be using quote-unquote Jewish a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, how often are there misunderstandings about what is and is not appropriate for your audience and how much time do you spend sort of educating people who might have mistaken assumptions about the Jewish audience to your screeners? That, that's a major focus area for our selection process. We spend a lot of time at the beginning when we're orienting the committee as to who we are, what we're about, who we're programming for. Um, we, we, we spend a lot of time tackling this question of what makes a film Jewish. Um, and it's the impossible question where there is no right or wrong answer. It's kind of, I know, I know it when I see it uh, type of question. Everyone brings their own perspective to that. Uh, but certainly my goal um, as a programmer has been to move the festival away from programming films that, uh, are exclusively um, and explicitly uh, all about uh, being Jewish, uh, where it's films about the Holocaust or the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the obvious topics that you expect to see at a Jewish festival, and try to find a way to broaden uh, the programming to include the whole spectrum of the Jewish experience, all aspects of Jewish life, uh, films where the Jewish aspects may be more on the periphery, uh, and that's allowed us to really diversify the lineup, bring in a lot of films, a lot of genres that you wouldn't expect to see at a Jewish festival, uh, a lot of subject matter you wouldn't expect, expect to see at a Jewish festival, and in turn bring in an audience that is um, not necessarily Jewish. Yeah, and and I would agree. I think that um, a lot of our films are character driven, and a lot, and sometimes it's not just blatantly a Jewish character, but it's nuances that you see within the storyline or. Um, 
things that, you know, decisions that characters make or within the narrative of documentaries. It could be a documentary about somebody who's Jewish, but it's not a directly Jewish story. Do you think filmmakers recognize when they have a, you know, a Jewish relevant theme? Do you spend a lot of time chasing after films that don't necessarily get submitted? How does that work? Yeah, it's actually, those are the most delightful moments is when we contact a filmmaker who says, are you sure you meant to contact me about this? You know, my film's not about matzo balls or... Uh, <laughs> I think that happened with uh, My Awkward Sexual Adventure. Yeah, and the filmmakers are are, are kind of a combination of uh, confused and, and delighted that we're contacting them, but we explain to them that um, you know, we're looking to just program great films, great storytelling that may happen to have some kind of connection to Jewish life or life in Israel. Um, and then they get it, and um, and those films are, are a big hit. I think our audience finds it refreshing that they're, we're, we're exploring topics and characters and storylines that aren't the predictable things that you'd expect at a Jewish festival. And how do you find those films? Tons of research, and a lot of that falls on Shelley. So um, we can spend, or I can spend hours of time just going through different festivals and looking for specifically things that are Jewish content. Sometimes it's going to um, different, you know, just Google searches even, or IMDb is a great resource. Um, what would we do alerts. without the internet? Right. <laughs> It's, yeah, IMDb. Yeah, keyword searches. Um, it's an endless spiral. And I bet your Google food is pretty formidable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And just a hunch. Sometimes it's a hunch. Yeah, well, Shelly and I will read a description of a film at a festival. It may mention nothing uh, Jewish-specific in the description of the film at all. But we just have kind of a feeling it seems like it might have a a New York Woody Allen sensibility about it, or uh, it's taking place in Eastern Europe somewhere within a historical setting that sounds like, well, you know, this might have some relevancy. And so we'll sometimes have to contact the filmmaker and ask them directly or go ahead and just get the screener and take a look at it and judge for ourselves. Gotcha. And how much are you programming out of other Jewish films? Is that a, a big thing for you guys? I mean, obviously you must share some content. Yeah, there's uh, estimated, I think now, about two to 300 of these Jewish film festivals around the world, and that's where we start. So we'll go mine the lineups of all of the other Jewish festivals. We're contacting them. They're contacting us. We're all sharing a sort of a core group of films that are making the Jewish festival circuit, and that certainly is the foundation for uh, each year's program. But where we really pride ourselves in is that we First of all, we're a larger festival, so we have more programming bandwidth. But we, we go out of our way to pull in those films around the edges that aren't, aren't finding their way necessarily on the Jewish festival circuit or be the first to discover a film that has some sort of hidden uh, Jewish or Israeli uh, content in it and be the first to present those. And a lot of times we'll find that other Jewish festivals will then kind of take their cues from us. Like, oh, we didn't, you know, this, this film's not a mainstay of the Jewish festival circuit, but uh, Atlanta's showing it. We should take a look at it. And then it kind of snowballs from there. So you're sort of a gateway festival. Well, we weren't more so now than we used to be. It used to be the other way around where we were kind of scrambling around looking to other festivals. But as we've grown and grown our capacity and gotten kind of better at, at this game of finding these films, um, we're happy to help help lead lead the uh, effort. 
You mentioned My Awkward Sexual Adventure. Um, which played this last year, two years uh, ago. Two years ago. Yeah, at least, yeah. At least and a few years ago. I remember a film from, I think, 2009 called Breaking Upwards, mm-hmm. um, which I think was a little more cognizant of its, of its Jewish themes, but... Um, are there other examples of sort of those edge films that you can talk about specifically and, and why you felt they had a place at your festival where the filmmaker didn't recognize that? You know, specific films, it's hard because every year once the lineup is, it kind of goes in, I push it out of my head to make room for the next year's lineup. Uh, but every year there are films like this where, as Shelley said, there may be a character that is a, a Jewish character or, or where, um, where characters are intersecting with um, Jewish characters elsewhere in the world, or where Jewish life is intersecting with other uh, other um, other lives, uh, you know, I, there's films. There's a, a was a documentary we showed about three years ago on Ed Koch, the former mayor of New York City, and maybe ten percent of the screen time was devoted to talking about how his Jewish background informed uh, who he is as a person. The rest of it was about politics and New York City history, but it was a, to use your phrase a gateway. It was a, a gateway film that allowed us to bring in audiences who were interested in Ed Koch. The biography we had Mayor Kasim Reed there, uh, Mayor of Atlanta, uh, talking about what he's learned as a politician from from uh, the Koch years. So it was it was uh, he, certainly a, he's a quintessential New York Jewish character, but that wasn't necessarily what the film was was mostly about. And it was an opportunity to explore a lot of other related issues. We had a film a number of years ago called The Apple Pushers about uh, food deserts. Um, in major metropolitan cities where there's not access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, one of the five protagonists that was uh, profiled in the film was a Russian Jewish immigrant who came to the United States and started uh, a food cart business. And literally a couple minutes of the film was devoted to talking about how he was escaping anti-Semitism um, in the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, uh, and that's what brought him here. And that was it. Uh, the rest of the film talked about issues of you know, urban revitalization and health issues and uh, nutrition issues. And But again, it was an opportunity to take sort of a, a Jewish prism and open that up into a, as a springboard for discussion to a lot of other things. So I think... And this is related, I promise. I think there's a, a perception of a Jewish film festival as being for older people. Um, and the independent film scene in and of itself is generally pretty young. I mean, you have to be, um, you know, in a certain place in your life, I think, if you're not a career filmmaker, to be making an independent film. Is there a, a tension there that, um, you know, in the programming that you want to have to draw a younger audience? And what are you guys doing to pull that younger audience in, and how successful has that been? Um, I think what one of the things that we do is that we do reach out to a younger audience to be a part of our evaluation committee. And so I think getting the younger perspectives on the films, both historically and storytelling, um, helps us program it and really kind of capture what the what that audience is looking for, for both topics and what they're interested in. And yeah, Shelley's right. I think that just to close out your question earlier about the film selection committee, why do we do it this way? It seems like such a 
dysfunctional and roundabout way to pre-screen film entries, having a committee of 150 people and most of them Jewish and trying to get the 150 Jews to agree on anything, especially, <laughs> especially film. It has some inherent challenges, but part of the reason we do it, uh, first, first of all, they, they're become a real focus group, so they really help us figure out how to market these films and program these films in the festival. I may, I, I'm maybe a I may be a film academic uh, um, person who studies film and knows about movies, but at the end of the day, it's a festival for the audience, and the audience's taste may not be my taste, so being able to get that mix of opinions to help us decide how we're going to program a film is incredibly useful. But then they also do become big ambassadors to the festival and go out and bring their friends and their family and talk to the festival. So that's certainly a way to attract younger audiences. I think the diversity of the programming, the fact that we're not showing uh, you know, just historical dramas and very heavy, dry subjects, and now we're showing Israeli horror films and sexual, uh, you know, sex comedies and uh, biographies of rock stars and. Yeah, it's a whole mix of things. It's the kind of product that you would see if you were going to any other major mainstream film festival. Um, the same kind of genres and mix of subject matter represented. So I think that does help attract uh, a younger audience. Frankly, because we're seeing the changes in movie watching habits, we may not um, necessarily always be able to attract a huge younger audience to the main festival. We may have to look at going forward doing some unique programming that really speaks to that audience sort of on their terms and their turf. So that may be programming at different times of the year in alternative venues, different kind of spaces, programming different kinds of films, um, doing different programming around the films. Um, so that's something we're in the process of exploring now. Well, so, so let's talk about... <clears throat> You mentioned that viewing habits have changed, and I see that certainly in my own family and in people around me, but I also still see people going to the movies. I mean, movie-going growth has not continued at the pace that it used to, but it also hasn't dropped either, so I feel like um, we're convincing ourselves anecdotally that viewing habits are changing when really they're just sort of, you know re-equalizing. Um, do you feel like, you know, the numbers of young people that you're attracting are lower than they could be, or is, do you, do you have any evidence for that? Well, I think to the larger question of trends in movie watching, uh, I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, the, the death of movies has been predicted many times before with the DVDs and uh, uh, HBO and you know, cable and so forth. Uh I think film festivals are more valuable now than ever because they do offer this unique experience that you can't replicate at home or on a mobile device. The opportunity to come and see films with an audience, have a shared experience with your community, to hear from the filmmakers uh, after the film, uh, to see films that are not otherwise readily available, even with all the digital platforms now. Um, so I, I find in talking to the movie theater uh, partners that we work with and talking to um, audiences that they may, audiences may be shying away from um, sort of traditional uh, movies, but they are seeking out these kind of unique experiences that only film festivals can provide. Um, and so in that regard, yeah, I think for young audiences, film festivals are extremely uh, relevant still today. 
I think you might be a little closer to the ticket sales. Maybe not. Do you, do you how do you feel about um, the audience that comes out? I, mean, uh, I think uh, for a lot of our audience, it's you know convenience and time of day. Many young professionals aren't able to readily access um, you know being able to get off of work. Where a lot of our screenings will happen during the festival during the afternoon. But I but from just sight seeing people on the weekends and the evenings, I, I feel like there's more of a balanced skewing towards towards young professionals or or um, you know date nights, people going out wanting to experience the movies and, you know, in that kind of special environment. And I think it's something that people look forward to. Um, what I've, what I've noticed is we do an art party for, during the festival. And I saw a lot of people from the swag bags. We had certain hats that were given out by one of our sponsors and I saw those popping up at our, during our film. So what, so for me, that showed a transition of, um, a younger audience going to this peripheral party that's involved with the film festival and then seeing the screening. You know, one a couple of unique challenges to us, I think, here in Atlanta with our Jewish festival. One, being a Jewish festival, we have a unique disadvantage in that we cannot program Friday nights and Saturday days, or we choose not to because of Jewish Shabbat. So, obviously, Friday night, Saturday is a big movie-watching time for a lot of people, especially young professionals. So, we don't have that those programming slots available to us. And as far as Atlanta goes, look, this has not been... This is not... New York or LA or Chicago. It's not a huge movie going, uh, movie, fe- uh, film festival type of town. And I think we've had to educate our audience along the way about what a film festival is all about. The idea that you're seeing films that you can't see anywhere else, the chance to interact with the artists and have those Q and A opportunities in the early days of the festival. I remember we were putting on these Q and A's and bringing in filmmakers from around the world and the credits would start rolling and three-quarter of the audience would get up and, and head for the exits, not because they were being rude. They just didn't understand that there was going to be a speaker afterwards or what a unique opportunity they were missing out on. Um, and that's changed now. Now we have now typically when the credits roll, our audience stays put and they really want to, they're looking forward to um, what the Q and a is going to have to offer to enhance, enhance their evening. Um, so I think that's part of the challenge too, is this is not a film festival going town necessarily. The people who come to our festival are not festival regulars. They don't do the circuit. They don't go to Telluride, Tribeca, or other places. So we're having to kind of educate them to what a film festival is all about. Sure. And this is more for the uh, festival organizers listening. What, what are the other challenges you feel like your festival faces as you know, an organization with your audience? And what do you feel like the challenges are of Atlanta and the South in particular? for film festivals? I think you've touched on some of the challenges. Number one is finding content. So every year I always start the year by saying, how in the world are we going to find 60 plus new films on new subject that we haven't covered before that meet our criteria of being somehow Jewish or somehow uh, connected to Israel? And every year consistently we get five to 600 quality entries um, from which we narrow down the um, to the to list of finalists. So finding those films, finding the subject matter that we've never seen before um, in films that are produced, obviously, with quality, that's, I think, the number one challenge. Uh, overcoming the stereotype of the Jewish festival. 
explain to people what that means, first of all, what is a Jewish festival, and then define their expectations about what they're going to see at a Jewish festival. Um, that's a programming challenge. That's a marketing challenge, how we position the festival in the community. Uh, we are constantly emphasizing the idea of this is a great uh, international film festival that's showing independent films and foreign films that you can't see anywhere else that also just happen to have a Jewish connection. It's, it's about great storytelling first and foremost. And I think we've been largely successful in positioning this festival as not something just for the Jewish community, but as a true arts and cultural happening, uh, something that would appeal to any audience that would go to any other cultural or ethnic uh, uh, event like this. Yeah. I noticed uh, from the website that the festival has a kosher policy. Um, any challenges there on the concessions end? <laughs> Not on the concessions. Um, I don't know if any of our theaters are offering a bacon flavored popcorn, <laughs> uh, or mixing a meat and dairy. No, it's really the kosher policy is more about for our special events or uh, social events like the opening night or the closing night. Um, because some members in the audience want to know. So we want to have that information available for them. I don't know, Shelley, what other unique challenges to a, Jewish festival, would you say that we have that others don't? Um, yeah, I, I think just, um, I don't know. I can't, <laughs> I'm trying to. I, I think in every way we, we don't try to approach it as uh, we're a Jewish festival. So we have to do things differently. We are, we are showing the same kind of genre of films that you'd see in any other festival. We're producing the event like you would any other festival with Q and A's, with, uh, with sponsors, with, um, all access passes. Sure. We, 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 we do everything we can to actually produce the event as a bona fide first class film festival that you would expect in any other, in any other town. Right. So do you guys go to other film festivals around the country that are not Jewish specific? That's something that we would like to do more of. Um, I know a lot of our peers do, this is what they do. They travel around and go to a lot of other festivals, um, to look at films, to network. And we just haven't had the luxury of being able to do that, uh, in the early days because we're very small staff and limited budget. And frankly, most of the curating we were able to do, uh, just by going online and looking at the lineups and inviting those films in and, um, I always think that sort of um, going to the uh, going to every other festival in the world that you can to is is a bit overrated. Having said that, now I think we do need to, uh, to to grow the festival and to establish ourselves more as an industry player. We have to be present at these other festivals and make those connections and have those uh, firsthand interactions with the filmmakers. So it's something that we're going to be doing more of. I go personally, um, just on my own, I go every year to full frame documentary festival in Raleigh, Durham. It's one of my, one of my favorites. I don't really even go so much, um, for professional reasons, just as it's a great festival and, um, see a lot of great films. I've been out to a couple of the other Jewish festivals to Washington, DC, to Toronto, uh, Jewish film festival, San Francisco, uh, Jewish festival, but it's something that not just myself, but the rest of the staff uh, is going to be doing more of in the years ahead. Yeah, I think that's valuable for filmmakers, festival, like everybody in the industry needs to know that a lot of it's about showing up. Sure. You know, a lot of exactly. it's about just being in the room when something happens or a conversation comes up and somebody goes, hey, do you know so-and-so, and, you know, across the room? So, Got to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then that, I'm sure you ask your filmmakers to show up. 
Um, and then, you know, impart upon them the importance of showing up to, to your festival. How much of that is a draw for your audience, do you think? I mean, is, is that what they tell you they're really interested in? Uh, I think, well, I, I definitely think that our audience is interested in meeting the faces and the, and the stories behind the films. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, you know, especially for our documentaries, they want to meet the people. I think that's, that's some of the highlights of the festival is being able to see Theodore Vakella on stage and meet the filmmakers of, um, the, you know, the people that are telling the stories. And this actually, Chris, may be one other area where the Jewish festivals are unique in that, yes, people are coming for a love of film and great storytelling, but uh, at our Jewish festivals, they're also coming because they really want to explore the subject matter being presented on screen. And so our Q&As, though they sometimes include the filmmakers or the actors or the writers, um, just as often they include people who are there to talk about the topic of the film. So we bring in a lot of academics and authors, people not directly connected to the film, but people there to really unpack the, um, the subject matter. It may be something about the Middle East. It may be something about, um, well, it could be any, so, I mean, it could be any, any subject matter. Um, so in that case, Q and A is really not so much about examining the artistic decisions in the film as it is really exploring further the subject matter. Give me an example. Well, for example, Every year we always have a, a set of films that deal with the Arab-Israeli conflict. And that is a film that is obviously so fraught with, um, with, uh, differing and passionate, uh, opinions, um, that we really need qualified speakers at the front of the room to be able to navigate the audience through those conversations. Um, not that the filmmaker is often not capable of doing that, but a lot of times the subject, the audience really wants to, um, talk about historical events. Um, and that's not something necessarily the filmmakers best qualified to do. So we'll bring in, for example, here in Atlanta, there's, uh, incredible resources through Emory university, through their Jewish studies department, um, through their uh, various other, um, uh, academic department. So we'll bring in, um, some of those experts, or if there's a author who's written a book that's particularly relevant on that subject matter, we'll bring in uh, those authors. So we'll, we'll try to curate a panel that provides a diversity of opinions on the subject matter. And, um, and of course the audience is very much part of that conversation, what they bring to the table as well. How often do you feel like there are screenings with a potential conflict that you'll put certain people in knowing that they can handle a potentially explosive audience? Well, it's a Jewish film festival (laughs) and a Jewish audience primarily. So there's going to be a lot of opinions, uh, no shortage of opinions. Uh, So yeah, I think it's really important to have um, qualified speakers who know what they're talking about are well-informed and can articulate their, um, their viewpoints and that we have a range of that. That's one of the things because we're dealing oftentimes with difficult subject matter uh, at the Jewish festival. Uh, it's important to us that we program not just the films, but the Q and A's in a responsible manner. So if we are presenting a piece of advocacy filmmaking, a documentary that really is presenting uh, one perspective on a, a challenging subject matter, we want to make sure there's that opportunity in the Q&A afterwards to round it out a little bit more and give the audience an outlet to express some alternative opinions and also have someone there at the, on the stage, um, 
who can speak to those alternative opinions as well, um, so that we're not um, we're not putting ourselves in the position of advocating one point of view or another on a, on a difficult uh, subject. Sure. So we talked a little bit earlier about what you are looking for. What are the things that just come up too much and you don't have enough room for? Um, I, I guess we do get a lot of Holocaust films <laughs> that come in. Um, I think that sometimes we'll find that there are films that want to have a historical base, but unfortunately they, you know, something's a bit too modern or modern feel within the story These that it doesn't translate. Films? Yeah. So, so, oh, so they'll set themselves historically and, you know, you've got just not the right era or, or genre feel about the film. I think that that's something that we come across a lot or feedback. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, the Holocaust category, it, it's amazing to me still, uh, after all of these decades, how many films are produced each year on the Holocaust. And surprisingly, many of them do turn over, uh, new aspects of this well-worn, uh, yeah, horrific piece of history. Um, well, they, there they, goes that follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's something that we spent a lot of time on the committee talking about is how do we, we, we have, during our orientation sessions for our incoming committee, we have a whole section that's devoted to nothing but how does the committee look at Holocaust films? What are the criteria? So even you know, certainly it's got to be a well-made story, quality, all the production uh, aspects, but it needs to shed light on an aspect of the Holocaust that we have not explored before or do it in a really especially compelling way to, in order to qualify for AJFF. Um, and yeah, we'll probably, um, that's probably the number one category of submissions we get are films that deal with the Holocaust. And even within that genre, there's sort of a subset uh, of, um, Holocaust films that are done. Uh, it's sort of the victims going back and retracing their steps and going back to, um, uh, back to Europe and, and, so those personal journey stories, that's, that's like another subset of, of the Holocaust genre that we get a lot of. Uh, and those films are very difficult to, to do in a way that we haven't seen before. Gotcha. Any, any examples of recent pleasant surprises? <clears throat> probably, the, probably the most beautiful, if that's the right word to use, beautiful Holocaust film I ever saw was a um, film called Fateless that we showed a number of years ago. Um, and the cinematography, um, it, it showed even in the horrors of the camps and um, amongst all this human tragedy, there were these moments of just uh, sheer beauty. So it was totally unexpected take on the Holocaust. It, 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 um, it resisted the temptation to uh, really just kind of show nothing but really ugly um, and, and dark imagery, but really tried to find a way to show sort of the sublime, um, these sublime moments of life that were, that were still coming through even uh, in these darkest hours. Uh, so that, that's a film that I would say is totally unexpected in terms of dealing with, with that subject matter. Let's uh, try and go a little lighter. What about, um, Comedies with uh, Woody Allen aspirations. <laughs> Getting a lot of those. We do. Yes, I, I, I think um, it's you know it's funny. There's a lot of younger filmmakers who really now seem to be re rediscovering Woody Allen, what he's all about, and trying to recreate that that Woody Allen um, 
that Woody Allen type of humor. Uh, yeah, so that's certainly a category. The romantic comedies, uh, absolutely. The dysfunctional Jewish families, that's certainly another uh, big category. And we haven't really talked about Israeli film, but uh, in, uh, it's really quite surprising what's happened with the Israeli film industry now. Uh, as people who follow this know, uh, Israeli film industry started off as you know, very small and sort of crude, and now they're producing some of the most sophisticated uh, films that are making the rounds on the international festival circuit. Um, in the recent years, we've had an Israeli film nominated for the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar, uh, like for the past five years or so, um, and about a quarter of our lineup uh, in the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival is made up of Israeli films. So it's a real testament to how that film industry has grown and how good their filmmaking has gotten. And you feel like the audience response to those has been good? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think like people talk about, there's uh, very French films. And say, oh, that film's so French. Um, definitely Israeli films has a, a unique sensibility about it as well. It's sort of a strange... Um, for a country that is constantly uh, under siege, um, that's living in sort of a constant state of war, uh, a mix of, of different uh, populations and ethnic groups, uh, you can imagine the stories that come out of that and the characters that come out of that are going to be, you know, very uh, uh, eccentric and uh, unusual. And that's what you see with Israeli films, a lot of really quirky, different kind of stories and different kind of characters. Yeah. So do you each have a, a favorite genre? Like if you're, you know, dipping into the well to find something out of the stack, are you going for a documentary or a net? Like what, what are your personal preferences on this? I love comedies and documentaries. So I think that's what I, what I tend to go for. Yeah. Any favorites recently? Um, let's see. In or out of the festival? <laughs> Just saw Age of Voltron last night. X-Men. Nice. So that was really good. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just constantly watching things, um, at home as well. So, uh, what else did I just see recently? Um, oh, there's uh, the James Franco Saturday Night Live documentary that was kind mm -hmm. of interesting. Like you pulling back the veil and seeing what happens behind the scenes there. Yeah. Cool. How are you doing? You know, I get excited about, uh, for the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival, I get excited when I f discover a film that has a Jewish connection, that is a surprise, something that's always a treat for us is when we stumble upon something that we know no one else has gotten yet. And we found that, that sort of Jewish hook in it, that makes it a, a qualifier for, uh, uh, for us. I, you know, when I go to the movies now, I try not, I'm constantly <laughs> thinking, what am I going to see today? Does this have a Jewish connection? Is that, you know, I, I have to kind of set my, executive director of the Atlanta Jewish Film Festival had aside so I can just enjoy films without constantly trying to look at them through a Jewish prism and say, is this a film that's going to uh, be something for us to look at? Um, I like all kinds of things. I like popcorn, Hollywood films. I like really challenging arts films. Uh, I tend to kind of like a lot of different dark things. I uh, love Japanese animation, anime, Miyazaki films. Um, well, we could talk all day about Miyazaki. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I, I kind of like, I like, I like a really, there's very few things I don't like if they're well made. Is there a Jewish connection for Miyazaki? You see any themes there? <laughs> if you were to play one Miyazaki film at the festival, which one could you justify the most? Ooh, that's, mm, 
Well, he thinks spirited away, spirit away, <laughs> spiritual. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think for those who don't know, Hayao Miyazaki, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, famous and now retired, I think. Yes. He keeps keep saying that after every saying, film. I've made my last film. Yeah, and then another one comes out. But yeah. Okay, spirited away. I'll, I'll have to rewatch that and see if I agree. You mentioned Tish Film School, which you graduated from. How does that come into play during your work here? And do you have any opinions on what comes out of film schools? My experience at NYU, first of all, was the best college experience I could ever want. I mean, it was a very different college experience. It was not, uh, as I'm constantly teased about, I mean, it was, I was not going to a lot of football games and fraternity parties. It was, it was life in New York City and experiencing all that New York had to offer. And the Tisch School of the Arts one of the top film schools, no, no doubt about it. And I, my experience may be different than others because I entered through the cinema studies program. Uh, so I was really studying film, uh, academically and only later transferred into the film and television department where we were actually producing films. Um, but yes, I would agree. I, I you know, I, NYU, as fantastic as the experience was, I would say we were sort of left our own devices to figure out how you translate this into a career. Um, we certainly learned how, what makes great film and technically how you go about actually putting a film together, but how, what the business side of film was not something that, um, I thought I came away with a, a clear roadmap on. And, you know, now I'm, directing a film festival. There's no professional training for how to produce a film festival. And I find that there are no hard and fast rules. I think every festival does it a little bit differently. There are certain sort of industry standard practices, but um, I think we're all sort of just kind of figuring this out as, as we go. I think it's clear that if you want to make it in this business, you have to have, you know, be able to work independently, have a lot of ambition um, and a lot of drive. Um, because the schools are only going to get you so far. Yeah. Do you guys get like, submissions from film schools, particularly in New York? I would think they'd be interested. Um, yeah, I, I do actually think we did, we get um, a number of film students who submit to the festival, um, who are you know seeking for new opportunities. Jewish festivals are a little different. We're mostly going out and seeking out films and inviting them. Um, the actual true submissions we're getting is probably only about maybe about a fifth of the total entries that we look at each year. Gotcha. So we do have an open call for entries where anyone can submit, and we get a hundred or so entries through that process. But most of the films that ultimately make their way into the festival are films that we that already have distribution. Um, that have already shown uh, commercially in other countries mm-hmm. just haven't made their way to the United States yet. And so the, that niche aspect where the films already have distribution, those distributors are not looking to give that away for free. Are they, you know, asking for some, some money up front to show those films? It's a whole other business model. And the Jewish Film Festivals, as I understand it, we, we have a sort of bad reputation because... <laughs> We um, end up upping the screening fees for other festivals because we have to we have to pay for this uh, product. So um, a huge part of our budget uh, is the screening fees um, to present these films because they most of them do have uh, distribution, and the Jewish festivals are prepared to pay because that's how that's how they get their product. You're not yeah. alone in that. I mean, the the um, gay and lesbian festival circuits exactly yes. the same way. Yes. They have 
a voracious audience who want the content. There's not a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. So anytime demand is high and supply is low, well, what happens to the price? Yes. It goes up. Um, I think that's difficult for, um, so quote unquote mainstream filmmakers to understand, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, there just isn't the same demand for their, their films out on the, the quote unquote regular festival circuit. Sure. The number one question that is going to be on a filmmaker's mind uh, at this point is, you know, how is this relevant to me? Like, I don't have a Jewish film, or I don't think I have a Jewish film. Um, what is it that you can do to either evaluate what kind of niche festival your film might be appropriate for, and then what are the things to think about as you move into your next projects? Um, how do you guys suss out from from a film like? like you can't watch everything, right? You can't watch all of Telluride's, you know, hundred things. How do you go to that first level of this might be for us and then determine whether it is for us without watching all 90 minutes of everything? To qualify for our festival and every Jewish film festival looks at this question differently. The film has to have some relevance to Jewish life or life in Israel. So what does that mean? It may mean that there's a character in the film that um, uh, is Jewish. There's an aspect of the story that touches on some aspect of Judaism in terms of faith or just a Jewish a cultural connection or a heritage connection. Um, but it doesn't have to be the main thrust uh, of the film. And as I've said earlier, we're really very liberal with that de- definition of what makes a film Jewish. Other Jewish films other Jewish festivals uh, may not uh, may much may be much stricter about that question. I think the filmmaker has to make the film that they want to make, but I would say that you know, the Jewish festival circuit is a very rewarding uh, outlet for filmmakers. I find uh, because the audiences are enthusiastic, um, they're big. We we sell out most of our screenings. Um, the audience is very committed and engaged. They're sophisticated, smart moviegoers. Um, and the Jewish festival circuits are, are thrilled to have these movies. So I, I think it can be a great springboard to getting your film out there. We've had a number of films that go on to get, uh, commercial, uh, theatrical release, um, or they start on the Jewish film festival to get word of mouth. And then they go on to other, um, more mainstream, uh, festivals, uh, because of that buzz. So I think the Jewish festivals now have, uh, increasing cachet in the industry. Right. Um, do you ever encounter a film where you thought maybe the the placement of a Jewish character was a little too deliberate? We've had committee members, uh, and they've gotten they've gotten very savvy to this now. They'll see a film where it seems like the Jewish aspect has been shoehorned in to qualify it for the Jewish festivals. Um, so usually you can spot that when it's, when it's very forced. Um, if the film is really terrific, maybe we don't mind it so much because it gives us that excuse. <laughs> we need to be able to say, ah, yeah, they said Shalom in the film or <laughs> that's enough. It's in it qualifies. Um, I know you don't watch Mad Men. No. No. Do you? I do. Okay. I think as a study of weaving in lots and lots of different character viewpoints and backgrounds and ethnicities and whatever, 
Mad Men's a terrific study of how to do that without mm-hmm. overdoing it. Mm-hmm. You have any favorite, uh, I hate to ask, like, what are your favorite Jewish moments of Mad Men? But are there, are there other series or that you feel like do that well? Uh, I mean, Friends did it really well with um, Ross and uh, Monica. I think that they always had some sort of Jewish aspect about them. Um, I think it was Mad About You as well. Mm-hmm. Um, had a really had a really great sense of that. I don't know how many people even remember Mad About You. It was so <laughs> huge when it was out there. It just yeah. felt like it sunk without a trace. Um, I mean, there's the archetype of, of Seinfeld, but I don't know how much, other than sort of the, the character stereotypes, mm-hmm. like it ever got in, because it was a show about nothing, right? right? If it had ever taken any of that seriously, it would have been a show about something. Yeah, and it wasn't overtly Jewish. I mean, you watch the watch the show and you knew the was, characters, but... but it was never said. And even that's even true in Woody Allen films. Mm-hmm. When we talked about Woody Allen earlier, I mean, he is, uh, he's definitely one of the quintessential uh, Jewish filmmakers. Um, but you look at a lot of his films and Jewish content is not obvious there on screen, mm-hmm. but it has a certain Jewish sensibility about it. Um, certain rhythm to the humor, um, certain cadence of the character, uh, the way they speak, the, you know, the sort of the in, um, intangibles, that you would never, you would never question Woody Allen film. Of course, it's a Jewish film, and yet if you really dissect it and really looked at it, um, the Jewish content is not not necessarily blatant. Yeah. How about you, Kenny? Are you watching anything on TV or otherwise? I feel like represents, you know, sort of the integration of a Jewish character and otherwise, quote unquote, mainstream. Well, you know, TV as has been said many times. That seems to be where all the action is now with um, with with creativity and talent ever moving towards uh, television, um, doing so much of the most innovative things now in storytelling on television. I've not been able to commit the time to TV because I think I know if I started watching uh, a serial television, I'll get addicted and then I'll, I'll have to commit and watch it all the way through. I'm usually about 10 years behind uh, where I should be. So I didn't watch start watching Seinfeld until it was in reruns or maybe it was like the last season and the Sopranos. I didn't start watching until it was like the last season. So eventually I'll get caught up here and start watching game of Thrones. And <laughs> some of these shows that are hot right now, uh, big Jewish themes in game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I want to thank you so much, uh, Shelly and Kenny, uh, for being on the podcast. Um, why don't you tell us where to find you guys online? Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Uh, you can find us everything about AJFF, including our submissions, uh, through AJFF.org. AJFF.org. Thanks for listening to the Film Festival Secrets podcast with me, Chris Holland. You can find me at FF Secrets on Twitter or FilmFestivalSecrets.com on the web. Please also do visit the campaign to fund more episodes of this podcast. GetMoreSecrets.com is the URL for that. You'll be able to listen down on episodes, get early copies of the new edition of the Film Festival Secrets book, and ask film directors and festival directors all your burning film festival questions. See you next time.